Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is Value Sign for Friday, September 22nd. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valuesign.com. Well, today, a nation adrift. Well, the contrast between the way this president began his term and today could not be more stark. You may recall that for the first couple of days in office, the newly elected President Joe Biden sat down at the Resolute Desk, signing executive order after executive order. He set a record for creating new policies and initiatives for the country. Today, the country sits adrift with policies that are now well beyond their shelf life. There are at least three major areas in which circumstances have so changed that the original policies, initiated just a year and a half or two years ago, no longer make sense. Those three areas of concern include monetary policy. Although technically set by the Federal Reserve, it is increasingly apparent that Treasury and the Fed are on entirely different tracks. With Biden continuing to pump up federal spending, which increases inflation, while the Fed seeks to rein in inflation. And second has been the war in Ukraine, which by all accounts is producing a horrendous loss of life. Up to a half a million soldiers from both sides have likely been maimed, injured, or killed. It's time to begin the peace process, Mr. President. Yet Biden refuses to pick up the phone and speak with Vladimir Putin. For a year and a half, Biden's policy of for as long as it takes has continued without modification or review. Finally, a new sets of problems have appeared, strikes. Both the United Auto Workers and the Writers Guild have walked off their jobs. Strikes can be devastating for an economy, both to those who are actively involved and also to the small circle of supporting companies. But when asked for some support in negotiating an end to the strikes, this administration is as moot as Mitch McConnell. We get absolutely nothing. It all came to a head this week, and it began when last weekend the United Auto Workers took to the picket lines. For weeks, the union had been seeking pay and benefit improvements, yet Washington had done nothing. In the past, presidents have brought the parties to the Capitol to try and work out any grievance between them. These leaders understood that any strike affecting 13,000 workers as this one at the UAW does, can be a devastating blow to the economy. Strikes affect not just the big three automakers, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, but also all the small contractors that supply parts and components. Indications are that these subcontractors have already begun to furlough their staff as order from the car companies have ground to a halt. Of course, the UAW is not the only strike in the country. Out in Hollywood, the Writers Guild of America went on strike on May 2nd. We're now in the fifth month of that strike, with no end in sight. The strike has idled more than 20,000 workers altogether, and just like the auto workers, this will have a devastating impact on all the surrounding support services, the stagehands, the grips, electricians, and others who cannot work as long as the strike continues. Again, the Biden administration has done nothing. Sitting on the sidelines, there has been not so much as an offer to negotiate. While Karen Bass, mayor of Los Angeles, and Gavin Newsom, governor of California, have both offered to lead negotiations, there's been nothing from Biden's crew. Strikes 
are the action of last resort from a union and generally indicate that negotiations have already broken down. Unfortunately, with this administration, the concept of sitting down and negotiating with the two sides of a dispute seems to be foreign to them. While there has been no substantive negotiations with the Writers Guild, there has only been a tepid response to the auto workers, with the president sending representatives to the three automakers at the very last minute. This is an administration that doesn't like to talk. Now, the other area is the economy, and it's been over 18 months that the Federal Reserve began raising interest rates. For 11 times during that year and a half, the Fed hiked interest rates anywhere from one-quarter to three-quarter percent each month. Talk about Johnny OneNote. From less than a quarter percent to now five and a half percent, the Fed funds rate has been one of the most dramatic moves in the history of the Federal Reserve. And it's worked. After hitting a high water mark in June of 2022, the latest report in the Consumer Price Index is only half of that June 22 inflation level. This in spite of the fact that the price of gasoline has recently been rising dramatically. Now, most economists would see that as a victory, cutting inflation in half in less than 18 months. Many on Wall Street are concerned that this continued monetary tightening will send the economy into a recession. But not Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve. Their strategy seems firmly cast in stone. The Fed will remain right where it is, no change in policy. And in his Wednesday press conference, Powell promised more of the same, additional rate hikes before the end of the year. In both the Federal Reserve and the presidency, there is an inability to deal with changing conditions and new challenges. It's a desire to stand pat and maintain the status quo, even if current conditions are deteriorating. Finally, let's look at Ukraine. This was the week that President Zelensky of Ukraine visited both the United Nations and the U.S. Congress. Accompanying Zelensky was President Biden, who admonished both the Congress and the U.N. to continue their support to Ukraine, again echoing his own line of support for as much as it takes, for as long as it takes. Rhetorically, Biden has inevitably couched the conflict in Ukraine in the starkest of terms. In his address to the United Nations, his key point was this, quote, If you allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? Biden asked. I'd respectively suggest the answer is no. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. Unfortunately, Biden's premise is misstated. Neither NATO, the U.N., nor the United States are, quote, allowing, unquote, Russia to do anything. The reality of the situation is that Russia is defeating the best men and equipment we can put on the battlefield. For nearly 600 days, America has supplied Ukraine with its finest weapons and spent billions in support, but to little avail. Russia currently occupies about a quarter of the country. The vaunted summer offensive by the Ukrainian army produced little in terms of recaptured land. The days of America allowing, quote-unquote, the rest of the world to act are gone. The lesson of Ukraine is that America no longer is the sole global superpower. Other countries 
principally Russia and China, now have the military to oppose us. And there lies before us an opportunity to begin negotiation for peace in Ukraine. The people of Europe and America are more than ready to see negotiations begin. Increasingly, public opinion polls suggest that the populations on both sides of the Atlantic want to see an end to this conflict. It's an end, however, that will only come when this president takes off his high hat and recognizes that this is now a multipolar world. It's way too early to play the slow game, Mr. President, and hope that you can get over the finish line come November of 2024. And that's the value side for Friday, September 22nd. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.